Good morning. Today's scripture is from Jeremiah, chapter 31. At that time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. Again, you shall take your tambourines and go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. Again, you shall plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. The plants shall plant and shall enjoy the fruit. For there shall be a day when sentinels will call in the hill country of Ephraim. Come, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. Word of God, word of life. The Gospel of Matthew, the 28th chapter. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Word of God, word of life. What do you see when you look at a simple tray of cheese and crackers? I realize this is kind of a strange question to be asking on Easter morning when your thoughts are already wandering to brunch and Easter egg hunts, but hear me out. One afternoon, a man went to see a dear friend and his wife who were both getting on in years. His friend's wife in particular was struggling and in the early stages of Alzheimer's disease. He was so sad to notice that she was asking him the same questions over and over again. Finally, she asked, would you like some cheese and crackers? Well, the man immediately jumped up to help, 
but her husband warned him off with a shake of the head as if to say, let her do this one final thing for you. She returned with a tray of carefully arranged cheese and crackers, napkins and small plates, stopping in front of them as they took their share. The man, author Parker Palmer, saw that tray of cheese and crackers and offered that it was communion. It was the bread of life. It was the wine of love. It was cups flowing over. Never, he wrote, has a cathedral seen a moment more holy than this. How is it possible to see the loss of a beloved's memory and a simple act of hospitality as a cathedral of the holy? Perhaps, in part, the choice to see is ours to make. The resurrection story in Matthew's gospel is all about seeing When given the opportunity, what will the disciples choose to see? What will we choose to see? The Marys are deeply grieving the death of Jesus and nonetheless choose to go to the tomb to see. Unlike the guards who faint, the women see the angel as a messenger leading them to more seeing. Come see the place where Jesus laid, the messenger says. Then go on to Galilee where you will see him again. It was a choice, wasn't it, that they would go to try to see him again. And they go and they do see him, though they see him in a new way now. These women, these women are the unsung heroes of the Easter story, and they get forgotten. There's so many points at which the women could have chosen not to take the next step to see the truth. Some of you, I'm sure, are familiar with a certain wisdom about marriage that says staying in love is a choice. I know, I know, as my husband will tell me, the wisdom only goes so far. Well, as I dwelled in the Easter story this week, I couldn't shake the thought that seeing the risen Christ at work in this weary world through the power of the Spirit is a choice each and every day. In times of joy and in times of pain and grief and fear. And it's so hard in all the times in between. Like the Marys and the rest of the disciples and the great cloud of witnesses and saints of our faith. We all have this choice to see or to try to see. Many of you know that I'm a second career pastor, and so I have to be vulnerable with you and honest and say that it took me decades to choose the resurrection. I dabbled around the edges of faith. I was a perpetual 
visitor of churches. Um, I never chose to commit to one community to see what I would experience for a long time. And for a long time, I believed that faith was the accumulation of evidence. And so I turned to smart books, and I turned to classes, and turned to degrees to build up this life that would deliver understanding. And this was all good and faithful and part of my own journey. But at a certain point, I had to put a stake in the ground with these women. I had to use my voice, and I had to choose resurrection hope over everything else. So as the dawn breaks from on high upon us this Easter morning, we all have, including me, another opportunity to reflect on what we choose to see when we look inside that empty tomb. Because the same forces that killed Jesus tried to tell the story a different way. They tried to tell the story that someone came by night while the guards were sleeping and stole Jesus' body away. And I think these are the same forces that continue to try to convince us that to keep faith with a couple of grieving women is a fool's errand. When you try to tell them that Jesus, Jesus lives on and that grace and mercy and abundance exist for all, these same forces will tell you that it makes more sense to fear difference. It makes more sense to live for yourself. It doesn't make sense to live for the good of community. And when you tell these same forces about your great pain or your loss or your grief, they will say, see, a loving God is a work of fiction. You're all on your own. When you show concern over the number of people living unhoused in our community, or concern over the latest of school shootings, they will say, this is just the way it is. There's no use in writing injustice or protecting the vulnerable among us. When you point out there are all these helpers and advocates and people of good faith at work in this world, they will tell you that these efforts are too little too late. Whoever your whole self is, is somehow not right. And whatever gift you have to offer the world will, will never be enough. I could go on and on, but the same forces that killed Jesus on Good Friday, they are alive and well today, and they are threatened by the promise of resurrection. I have a feeling, though, that you are here this morning because you have felt an invitation from God to see differently. I'm not talking about the kind of seeing where the glass is always half full. I'm not talking about putting on rose-colored glasses or watching Hallmark movies that always resolve in a happy ending. Can you imagine the disciples, how they were feeling after seeing Jesus raised from the dead? 
Yes, they were joyful, but it was a mix of emotions for sure. They had to put their lives back together and somehow figure out how to do what Jesus was telling them to do without him. And now even death was something they couldn't quite count on. So no, I don't think the resurrection was a happy ending that returned everything back to the way things were. But it was an upending. It was an upending that a people desperately needed to see. They needed to see that God in death and in life and everywhere in between was with us. And that God is continually providing another beginning and another chance for grace and mercy and love to be known. And here's the other gospel truth that takes my breath away. Remember the earthquake that Pastor Beth mentioned, the shining white angel descending from heaven, the guards struck unconscious, this larger-than-life drama being played out at the tomb. We might easily mistake, if we weren't listening close, closely enough, that this was all so Jesus could rise from the dead. But by the time all of this happened, Jesus was already gone. He was walking out ahead of his disciples. He was making plans to see, him again, see them again. He was making plans to strengthen their courage and their faith and to send them out to invite others to see. So no, the stone wasn't rolled away by the angel to let Jesus out of the tomb. The stone was rolled away to let the witnesses in. And we are these witnesses. Whether we choose to go in and see or not, the God of truth and mercy and forgiveness is on the loose, providing us with another chance to see. And if we don't see another chance after that. So my prayer for you and for me and for Mount Olivet on this Easter morning is simple. And that is that we would be a people who choose to try to see the risen Jesus on the loose in the world. And when we do see, I pray that we will go and tell what we have seen to another. So rejoice and be glad. Christ is risen. God has always chosen you and this weary world. So now, what do you say? Amen.